With kind of the way that the world is, I, I think the term emergency podcast is losing its meaning. Yeah, they kind of joked a little bit about that today on the Emergency 538 podcast about how at this point the the glass, which they previously had to break to pull the lever, just is going to remain permanently broken. Yeah, I think like, you know, the broken window theory in economics, I think that's just kind of the United States for the next four years. Oh, that wasn't that wasn't something in that awful macroeconomics class we had to take, was it? You've never heard of the broken window theory? It's, it's this is not game theory. But oh, the, that that's your favorite. You'd love you'd love game theory. <laughs> Do <laughs> if the, I forget what it was, but like if it, I can't remember if it was just like a look in class or if it was like it. It could have been like this invisible drinking game, but yeah, game theory was uh, was was a thing. For, I think uh, for two I think years. you well because we we took a was that an international relations or was that maybe a different class I forget which class one one of our professors it spans was, like three classes to be honest yeah that, that could be yeah but yeah you made you made some comment to me at one point and then just every time it got brought up in a lecture I just instantly knew to look over at you yeah yeah so anyway so yeah so the United States is basically just in a con- Actually, I, not even an emergency podcast. I think it's just a, in a perpetual state of uh, the fire alarm being permanently pulled and there being just glass everywhere. But that's okay because we always have the Giants to look forward to. Right. Our our local regional baseball dynasty is currently um, having a historic baseball season. Much in the, mm-hmm. much in the same way that Darth uh, says uh, does those jokes about Sean Spicer uh, were uh, absolutely historic. This also applies to the Giants, who currently have the worst record in baseball. So it looks like it might not be our year, but that's but that's sometimes how how things go. So, well, it is an odd year. So I think it's it's gonna be an odd four years. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. You can keep trying to steer it, but it's it's gonna keep going here. Yeah. Yeah. Like my Slack status says, me and Drake are moving back to Canada. (laughs) Um, Okay. Uh, All right, let's get into a little bit of follow-up before this jumps right back into um, this weekend and today's political events. So um, Uber is back in in the news. Uh, On Monday, actually Monday or last Friday, uh, there was a story about uh, the Department of Justice or, or some... Uh, some department of the government is looking into their use of the gray ball uh, program, which was used to um, spoof cars on the app for uh, local law enforcement that were trying to investigate the service in uh, unfriendly markets. So they've, they've got that going for them. And then also um, there's supposed to be some big developments happening in the Waymo uh, auto uh, case happening later this week. So that's something to look forward to for anybody who's, um, following the the play-by-play on the, the whole cactus thing yeah so this is uh this is from reuters so the um the u.s department of justice um in between recommending firing the director of the fbi um so the doj has begun a, a criminal investigation into uber technology inc's use of a software tool that helped its drivers evade local transportation regulators two sources familiar with the situation said and this is yeah this is the the gray ball um piece of software that had come out in the news out of a month or two ago um yeah i mean this is 
it, it, this is something that should absolutely be investigated. Anytime that you're trying to purposefully evade the authorities, that's, that's no good. I mean, shoot, even in California, a radar detector is illegal. So given that, I can't see how it would possibly be okay for a company to use software to evade local authorities. Yeah, almost like a president uh, trying to fire the person who's investigating your connections to to um, a hostile power uh, in the East. Almost. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So th those were the only two bits of follow-up we had last week. Um, I think we'll have a little bit of overlap a little bit later in the show. But um, actually, one thing I was uh, wondering about, did we cover the whole Tim Cook used iPhone rumors as an excuse for stagnant iPhone sales? Did we cover that? We did. Mm -hmm. Okay, good. So in that case, let's talk about um, Amazon's refreshed uh, Echo slash Alexa family of products. Yeah, so I guess we can start with the show, the Echo show. And I just have to comment. So, you know, we've we've talked on this program quite a bit about how the kind of Apple product cycle has become relatively known, especially the iPhone. We kind of go through like the same same kind of cycle. Rumors start to come out around the same time every year. We start to get like the leaked uh, manufacturing schematics around the same time every year. Like it's, it's, it's kind of this very predictable cycle. And the, the Amazon hardware follows almost exactly the same type of um, path where you can always count on this thing leaking about one to four weeks ahead of time in concept. And then, and then a few days before the actual announcement, a picture is going to leak out. This is, this is always the way these, like the Kindles go. Basically, everything that Amazon comes out with follows kind of the same pattern. I disagree. The, the Echo look, which we'll, which we'll talk about, did not leak in any particular way. And this one, I think that's just something that people always thought would happen. Like, for me, this seemed like it was completely under wraps until there was an incredibly like low-res photo leak, like maybe like four days ago. So I, this, I actually think Amazon's really good at being um, cagey about their hardware. I think German ran a story months ago discussing the the kind of a touchscreen echo that would be heavily focused towards video calling like most of what we ended up with i think sort of came out way in advance of even the photo that came out a few days ago perhaps but i don't think that's necessarily a super um risky prediction i mean i think that kind of seems like the next logical step for it maybe so but th this is certainly not the first time that an Amazon hardware product has leaked, like a picture of it's leaked before it's come out. That was kind of my main point. Sure. Anyway. So, yeah, so we saw this thing a few days ago, and it, and it is exactly what we, we thought it was, which at first glance sort of looks like one of those little mini portable TVs from like the late 90s. Do you have one of those? No, I think I know what you mean. You mean like the little like eight inch kitchen TVs people used to have? Well, yeah, like they, there was those, and then even I had it was literally like a, a portable TV, so it had a big antenna that popped out of it, and it would get local channels. And I guess it was more narrow than the the show is, but it had a big speaker on the bottom and then a screen on the top. Yeah, for um, me, this this kind of seems like the second coming of uh, the Audrey. I don't know if you remember this. I, yeah, you 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 put that in the the thing when we were planning for the show this week and I, I i did not get the i knew it was some type of reference you were making but i but i didn't get it yeah so back when like when palm pilots were a thing the, the company 3com that made them made this like early web connected 
little like eight inch like home computer thing. So this seems like the version of that had they done it 15 years later. Yeah. So, I mean, this is kind of all a long way of saying that it's not the prettiest or sleekest hardware in the world, but at the end of the day, the hardware is just sort of a case for the software functionality that the Echo products offer. So I guess, I guess let's, let's get into that. So, you know, same Echo that you, that you know and love, but the, the key differences here are a color touchscreen, a camera, um, and I guess that's sort of, that's right there brings me to sort of why I'm not incredibly excited about this or why I don't know exactly what all the hype is about is there just doesn't really seem like outside of the video calling feature there's a lot in the way of new features like there's not a lot of new functionality that's being talked about here and this this gets back a lot to what we talked about last week with the rumored Siri speaker where you know, if that thing comes out and it, and it basically just does all the same smart home things that the current Amazon products do or the Google Home does, that's that's not terribly exciting. I think it is. I mean, this seems like an interesting product in, in a lot of ways because you are right when you're saying that it's just like it's a conduit like to the cloud, basically. Like all the power of Amazon's Echo services and that kind of stuff are all in the evolving like natural language voice thing that they have like you you get the newsletter because you have an echo so you have get you get the newsletter every friday of like what's new with alexa and there's always new things there that this little black cylinder is like your portal to so i mean this is a product that like i don't think the echo is the right fit for every room of the house for every person like, I mean, do you remember, like, there used to be a thing called, like, web TV, and then people used to buy, like, standalone Skype phones. And I'm sure you have, um, you know, people who their iPad is really important for, like, older folks to do, like, video calling and stuff. So, I mean, I think this product does have a place in, in time. And a lot of the things that you would do with uh, an Amazon Echo, like, having some type of visual feedback on screen is kind of would be kind of nice where you don't necessarily always have to listen to the response. So I don't know. I think, I think there is a lot of value for this. I don't think it's appropriate for every room. Um, if I have, if I had a larger house, like th this might be a good kitchen thing or like, a like entryway appliance. But, um, I, I think it's interesting and I think it definitely has a place. Okay. So let, let me ask you this then. So would, would you replace your current echo with one of these? No. But again, I, I live in a one-bedroom apartment, and I have a 27-inch computer, a smartphone, and a, a laptop and a tablet. Like, I, like if for a homeowner, I think this makes sense. Or for somebody who's not as into like mobile devices, I think this makes more sense. I don't think this is a millennial-focused product. And I'm not a millennial, but like, you know what I mean? This is, not, this is not a product for people age 18 to 34. Hmm. Okay. Like, no, if you're thinking of it for you... I, I agree. You're not you're not the target audience for this. I'm not saying it's for people in their 70s, although I think it it kind of is. Like I think this for somebody with a home, and again, like I think it's just different context. Like I think if you are bought into the Amazon connected lifestyle, like and you don't think about like any privacy implications, I think like having an Echo look in your bedroom or closet, and then having like an Echo dot there, and then having 
this like right at the entryway and also in your kitchen and then having like an echo in the living room and the like i think it just it makes sense yeah i mean maybe i i guess i'm i didn't really at all think about it in terms of demographics or even just any sort of particular segment of users i'm my my larger point is I'm not I'm just not really sure what a what a touch screen adds to the echo. I mean I, I guess I guess being able to see what, you know, the echo thinks you're saying in real time is is somewhat handy, but I, I would say even with that that the response is so quick that I don't really know how much of an advantage even something like that would be. Like I, I guess Put a different way, like if if there was a whole new suite of functionality outside of just calling, which we maybe even get it. Well, we can get more into the non-video calling stuff too. But like putting that aside, because I think as we'll get into, I just don't really understand that at all. There just there just isn't a lot new here. Like I think this this would be a much more exciting device if there was more that it could do, as opposed to just slapping a screen on the existing platform. Okay, but I think the problem here and I and I, and I, and I don't want to like chastise you too much but like I think you're you're trying to you're trying to apple watch this. Like I think you're trying to think that this type of product needs to shoehorn a bunch of half-baked functionality on it when all it needs to do is a few things really well. Do you know what I mean? Well, I do, but I guess in that line of thought, why wouldn't you just get an Echo? Why would you spend $80 more for a screen that's not really adding a lot well, then to why the don't, equation? Then why don't you just use your phone to tell time? Why don't, your, your phone gets you notifications, so why don't you just use that? Well, because the AI assistant on my phone is terrible. Well, then why don't you buy a Fire Phone? <laughs> anyway, so, but, okay, so my, my point is... Again, probably not the product for me, but it does have some new legitimate uses. So we'll get into the Amazon call, or sorry, what was it? The Alexa calling service. But um, like it, it will show you like news clips and stuff like that and short videos. And it'll integrate into some smart home accessories. Like if you have like, I think one of those ring video doorbells, it'll show you um, live video from that. Like I think, again, like for somebody who is a little bit older and has a home, like that, that's a legitimate cool use case. And I think a lot of it, it's just kind of delivering on that, like, like every futurist, like when you thought like what the future is going to be, you would probably think that you just have like kind of just like passive screens all around you that show you like information relevant to you and like just like connected boxes. Like I, I think that is something that's a bit further beyond what the traditional Echo does. Like it's still harnessing the same information and like natural language stuff, but it's just it's just different. And again, not necessarily for everybody, but I think this is a thing. So one thing that I was a little disappointed by, and maybe I just missed this, but I, I think this is right, is there's no like there's no concept of apps really, or maybe put a different way, well it has skills, skip right. So but skills, I don't I don't think they have any sort of real like visual component to them. I assume that'll be the case. Like I assume skills can like I, I they're not going to be full on apps because that that breaks like that adds unnecessary complexity of the product but i think like and i have i haven't researched this i have no idea but i assume the only logical thing is that um whatever your skill is can choose to format information in a certain way and kind of display it to a user in in probably the optimal format 
like I wonder, like a use case I would immediately think of would be the Philips Hue skill. Is it going to have something that I can bring up on the screen where in, instead of just using my voice for everything I want to do, are there buttons that I can press to turn off or on certain lights, things like that? I don't think you can, and I don't necessarily think you should be able to. Like, that just seems like a whole nother thing that you, like, I mean, that, yeah, I don't think that really negates, like, the huge dimmer switches or anything that, like, we, we both have. I think, like, the, the voice component that the Echo products offer, like, they, they, I think they do enough. I'm not necessarily, if I had, an, like, this touchscreen thing in my kitchen, I'm not sure I would really ever navigate to it and, like, go through a couple screens just to get to a point where I can control like sets of lights. Because again, at that point you would just use your phone. Well, maybe, but I guess in the scenario you were describing earlier where you'd have this in the entryway or something, it'd be nice to have this be almost like a little smart home command hub. Yeah. But again, I think their whole thing is that you command it by voice. So that way the, the experience isn't too disjointed. If you go into a room that doesn't have one of these and it's just a standard echo. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Um so yeah, it, it it looks it looks neat. So I mean if we go into kind of the next thing that got introduced with this is the um I think is it called just Alexa calls and messages? I'm not sure it has a real name. Well, there were there was sort of a lot of confusion around this today where so Amazon officially announced the show pretty early in the morning at least West Coast time. And as part of that announcement they had said we're rolling out not only video calling functionality on this device, but we're also rolling out audio calling functionality on existing Echo hardware and even just through the Amazon app on iOS and Android. And, you know, that'll be coming shortly. And I guess when they when they meant shortly, they meant real shortly because a matter of hours later, by about noon Eastern time, um, the update started rolling out to the app on Android and iOS bringing on this functionality. So yeah, so now all existing Echo hardware can make audio calls, which I I just I just don't like who's who's that for exactly? Also and and I, forgive me if you just literally just said this, but so this is not like an IP telephony thing. Like this only allows you to call other Amazon Echo people, right? That that's right. right. Okay. Yeah, that is that is tricky. The only way like I can see this being interesting was like if it like I mean again, like the whole home, like Amazon rules your life situation is that like you could have like an intercom or something. Like say, like, hey, let me talk to the person in, in the kitchen or something. Like that that seems useful, but this seems like another kind of like just siloing thing where I have to worry if um like my sister has an echo and like it's why won't you use your phone? At this point, yeah, I, I don't, I don't see this. the The intercom thing with within a home, kind of. I mean, I, I also as someone who lives in a small one bedroom apartment, not not something that would appeal to me today. But I, I guess I could imagine being in a in a larger home where that could be somewhat useful. But I mean, the idea of calling you or just calling any other friends or family through it as opposed to simply just using my phone. 
just yeah it just doesn't doesn't really make any sense especially in a world where we basically ha- all have unlimited plans now on our cell phones and we basically all have wi-fi calling now or the fact that most people under the age of 54 are trying to avoid using the phone as much as humanly possible <laughs> that that too yeah, I mean, I think this like this seems this feature seems for most people probably to have like the same level of utility as like digital touch on Apple devices. Like, it's just it's it's not necessary. I guess maybe a different way of saying my somewhat or phrasing my disappointment and just sort of disinterest in the show is the idea that it's its featured new addition is video calling just really isn't exciting to me as someone who just never does video calling. Like I saw some headline today about how this, this whole concept is going to be like the FaceTime killer. And I'm like, well, great. I never use FaceTime. So if, if Amazon wants to go after that, more power to them. Like maybe maybe I'm I'm living in my own little bubble here, but I I just don't like I just don't understand centering a new product and updates to your existing products around the idea that you can do audio and video calls now. Like is is that is that something that people really needed another device to do? Yeah, I, I'm I'm not entirely sure. Yeah, like this part I'm not so much sold on. Again, I the concept of the echo. Well, but ship. that's but that's but I mean that but the show like I mean you you look on Amazon's page here, which I'm literally doing now. That the the feature that is front and center is this concept about video calling. So I you know it, it's the second bullet point on the product description. I mean it, it's the first made main product picture. Like I you know I. I don't. This seems to be as front and center as as could be possible. Again, they'll 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 tune and refine the product as they go. I I think again, this would be one of those things where you kind of have to see how people use it to see where where the usage actually falls. And again, with a box that's just speakers and a touch screen, like it, it's extremely adaptable. So they'll 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 adjust and add and tweak functionality as people use it. So this is like the um, the friend circle from the original Apple Watch. It'll, this will be like a, a front and center feature today, but then in a year where they realize nobody uses it, they'll kind of slowly get rid of it. Yeah, this this metaphor is really caring. Uh huh. Yeah. Um. So beyond that, did we we haven't ever talked about the Echo Look, have we? I, I, we might have briefly mentioned it at one point, but if we did, we we didn't spend a lot of time on it. Yeah, um, probably not a product targeted at us, which would just completely fine. Um, I mean, it looks interesting for like a bedroom centric Echo. It, it's kind of an interesting product. I mean, I assume there's probably like safeguards to know when the camera and such are actually on. <laughs> I, w- I was gonna say, like, let, let's not get creepy here, but. I'm not really sure a, a camera-focused Echo is what I want in my bedroom. Well, but you already are fine with with an audio-focused one, and, and that's 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 most of it. Well, let's let's not get into that. Holy shit! The Echo weighs forty-one grams or forty-one ounces. Wait, what's forty-one divided by sixteen? Things weighs two and a half pounds. Wow. The Echo. The Echo Show. Oh, why? I was like, I'm here. If I. 
I mean, if you, I don't know if you, your echoes within arm reach, but no, she's on the ninety-nine pound stump. <laughs> like I'm, my echoes here on the desk, and I'm, I'm lifting it up, and it's, it's probably it's the same. It's probably, it's probably a couple pounds. Yeah, yeah. It's um, that, um, it's that incredibly uh, powerful speaker. Yeah, it doesn't sound too good. That's no, right. it doesn't. Mm-mm. Yeah. A lot, a lot of people, before I got one, made a big deal about how great the speaker was. And I thought, like, oh, okay, that's cool. Like, I'll, you know, maybe be able to use it for some, like, music or whatever. But no, it's, it's kind of terrible. I always heard the opposite. Or, I mean, like, I always heard that it was terrible. And then, then I, I heard it, and I'm like, yep, they're right. It's hmm. not, not I guess, good. yeah. I, had, I distinctly remember some reviews that made mention of how good the speaker was and... Yeah, I think they're all like, oh, 360 sound, except, oh, yeah, it points mediocre to bad audio in all directions. <laughs> right. Which, which which is fine. Um, yeah, and I mean, back in, I used to use it to pair wirelessly over Bluetooth to my phone to play podcasts, but now I just use um, my uh, disappointing soundbar for that. Um, so, yeah, the Echo Look, I mean, again, the, the bedroom Alexa strategy, not bad. Um, Again, does not seem like a, a male-centric product. Like, I, I was watching the video, uh, like, the product video for tonight, because I actually hadn't looked at it that much before. And, like, the ratio is, like, 20 to 1 uh, in terms of, like, women versus men using it, which is completely fine, because that is probably, women are probably a bit more style-centric uh, than most men. So, that that's fine. Um but like it does seem like a cool product in terms of like it uses machine learning to like suggest like what good style is and i assume it's providing uh, amazon with a ton of data that is useful for more accurate recommendations as they try to get more into the um online shopping or online like clothes shopping world so like i mean it's it's interesting yeah, I, I guess it, it's not a product that speaks to me personally, but I mean, if if it does what it promises to do and actually helps make good style recommendations, then then sure, yeah, I guess I guess that seems like kind of a neat thing. Like, I I won't buy one, but like I also like I thought it's like this actually isn't too bad because like when you watch the product video, like it should like. They show the app working well, which I assume it wouldn't because it's an Amazon app. Like, because the Amazon Echo um, or the Alexa app for iOS got updated today. It's got a new flashy icon and stuff, but it's still the same, like, web view, weird, clunky app that it's always been. But in that product video for the Echo Look, um, no, like, it shows, like, what looks like pretty good picture quality and a good way like in it it tracks like what you've worn over the days and like, i actually think hey that'd be a useful feature to see if you're wearing the same thing too frequently like i don't know for 250 or 200 dollars, whatever it costs like i probably won't get one but um yeah seems seems nifty i like that amazon takes um a few risks with this type of thing and, and they're kind of pl- toying around with what could be cool hardware and, and if it doesn't work they'll, they'll kill the product Yes, I'm actually, I'm going through, because I I had forgotten to actually open the Alexa app after that update today, and I was curious what it was going to look like, and with the first time you open it, it wants to take you through this setup process around the new calling functionality. So it asks for your first and last name, access to your contacts on your phone, 
and then asks you to verify your phone number. Yeah, and I wouldn't allow it to do the last two things because I don't entirely trust Amazon. Well, I'm I'm just letting it do all this YOLO. So I get a I get you a you say yellow? YOLO. That's that's what all the kids say. I, I I am not cool, but even I know nobody says that anymore. <laughs> so I it, it sent me a verification code to my mobile number. I put that in there. And it says that I can now call and message my friends. Oh, and I, I get my Alexa, the the top um, um, highlighted in green there for a minute, which is apparently the color that it makes when um, you uh, receive a call now. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. So that, that's, that's about it. I don't know. I'm, I'm. I wish Amazon the best with this because, like, again, of all the digital assistants and that kind of stuff, like the Amazon Echo and, and their backend services, consistently what I trust the most. And a lot of times when I'm in the car or I'm trying to interact with Siri, I want to call it Alexa just because that, that's the one that I know and trust. And I always know that saying, hey, Siri, just leads to disappointment and failure. Um. So anyway. Yeah, that's that. Do you want to, well, actually, so on that note, we have a bit of follow-up, or not not follow-up, but like, this was a, a, a topic from last week as well, of kind of like the whole Internet of Things, Internet of Shit type crossover. So I'm going to share with you, I have what I think is legitimately the worst um, Internet of Things product that I've I've come to see. Ooh, even, okay. worse than the, even worse than the um, connected hairdryer. Okay. So this is called Smalt which is a uh, internet-connected salt shaker. Oh, man. Okay. Not so I think, that, like, this is, this is a, a, a good contender for, for worst thing ever to, to exist. So it, you can pair your phone to it and um, use it as a Bluetooth speaker. And it also has, apparently, a light-up ring at the top that allows you to uh, make, any mem- make any moment more memorable with a color-changing mood light. Uh, appropriate for anniversary and dinner parties um and you can also amp up the flavor by by using salt (laughs) i can't here's the thing i don't i can't tell if this like this is a parody site i really don't think it is so there's some type of there's also some type of alexa functionality here and that's why i bring this up right after the alexa thing i think allegedly it has alexa built into it or god damn it um <laughs> See, it's Locked. across the room, and I forgot to mute it. Yeah, we um, should we should have we should have warned people in particular before this episode to make sure they had their Amazon devices muted. Okay, sorry. Uh, the Echo, um, yeah, apparently. Well, that's the thing because like uh, Amazon, whenever they refer to any device that's not the Echo, they do call them Alexa services. Um, so yeah. But yeah, allegedly an Alexa-connected Bluetooth speaker um, and a salt shaker combined in one. That may be a joke, but I really don't think it is. Well, it's not a, not a product that's available. You, you can put your email address in here and to be notified when it becomes available. But Yes. Hmm. They do respect my privacy, which makes me feel good, though. Right. So 
I bring this up because there. Did you read the article that I sent over from The Verge, written by the guy who run uh, who runs the Internet of Shit Twitter account? I did. Yes. Yeah. So it was basically like a, a an assessment of HomeKit like three years later, and kind of why Apple hasn't really been able to be the glue that makes this whole Internet of Things thing work. And like I think they cited like a couple of main things that um HomeKit requires that you have like extra hardware components inside of it for security reasons, which which is a a, a novel goal for Apple to have because like some lesser uh connected home stuff does have like mediocre to poor security that is vulnerable but it also means that like certification and um hardware revisions have to all be approved by apple and and go through like extra rigor which is probably not ideal and it also brought up one thing that i totally didn't think of is that if you do um like kind of build your smart home around HomeKit centric devices that means if you you can't switch away from ios really like otherwise it's going to become a disjointed mess if it supports android at all and i never thought about that 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 is kind of a weird way that homekit is like kind of the epitome of lock-in except it doesn't really offer a compelling case for why it's good i think that might be the point what what do you mean well i mean that that's clearly what Apple tries to do with a lot of their services. I mean, lock lock in lock in is a huge component of what they do. Well, sure, and that's something they've done really effective with uh, effectively with um, iMessage. Like that's a huge source of lock in. Like nobody nobody wants to be a green bubbler. Um, but HomeKit's not good. Like if to to lock somebody in, like it has to provide a compelling value proposition. And Apple, whether it's because they're super difficult to work with, as and we'll talk more about Amazon later, but like they haven't convinced people to make the devices that make HomeKit a compelling thing that'll lock people into these devices. And on top of that, like the this the person writing this article like also makes the case that if you are fully bought into the ecosystem and everything does work with HomeKit, the home app that is supposed to be like the central point of all this isn't good. And the Siri integration is also super rudimentary and has to be very, very specific with like device names and that kind of stuff, which makes it worse than uh, any of the Amazon Alexa or Amazon Echo services. So it, it's just, I don't know. I Maybe I'm losing faith in Apple being like a unifying force or at least creating like compelling value propositions for like playing inside their walled garden. Cause like, yeah, HomeKit isn't it. Yeah. I, I had completely forgotten until this article about how if you wanted if you want to have sort of like a, a hub in the home when using HomeKit, you have to use either an Apple TV or an iPad that that you keep at home. And I've, and I've never, never right, yeah, I've I've never done that. I've never gone through the the process of setting up my Apple TV to be the hub. So I don't really even know. Like other than maybe allowing me to do like control things remotely, which I which I can already do with things like my lights. Like I don't really know what what else that would do for me. Does the does the Apple TV have a HomeKit app or like a Home app on it? I I don't really think so. No, I think it's more of just a service that runs. I don't really know if there's any UI on the TV. 
Got it. Um, yeah, that's tricky. Like, I mean, Apple's got a lot of stuff in the air that they got to figure out what they're doing with it. But I, I guess I would maybe, I would maybe not counter, but just sort of point out that this is not a home kit issue necessarily. Like, there's just, it's just, it, and maybe this is what you're what you're getting at. It's just the the broader idea of smart home devices is is just kind of a mess. Yes, except I mean I yeah, but I I think here's the thing, like I think the Echo and like like those other services like the the Echo is a much more unifying smart home device than an iPhone is right now and that seems weird to me. Like basically I just like Amazon or, or sorry Apple keeps promising like that they're going to be the unifying force and that like like it hasn't it been hasn't there been like um fairly sizable like segments of like the WWC WWDC keynote like for the past three years talking about how HomeKit like this is the year like it it's actually good this time or like this is like a valuable like part of iOS like Apple seems to give it attention it just never it just never actually ends up being good or Apple's too difficult to to play nice with and the hardware people just can't be can't be bothered to deal with it yeah, it, it, they they've always been in this weird position with HomeKit where they want to give the impression they care a lot about it, but then they don't really do a whole lot to back that up. Which maybe could be said about a handful of other Apple products, but yeah, we should probably not go down that road. Yeah, we won't edit this out, but the Skype call quality has degraded a lot. So right now, it sounds like you're. Uh... A Republican senator calling into to some cable news channel and giving a weird interview right now. <laughs> that's okay because we're we're a professional podcast, so therefore we you'll uh, you'll have a local audio recording to to join up with. But yeah, you you sound like you're you're on a cable news show right now. Well, that's that's highly highly appropriate given the events of today. Yeah. Can you? It's a quick side topic. Can you explain the thing of when there's this uh, reporter for the New York Times whenever the Daily is on? And she reports from like a phone booth, like at the state capitol or something. What what is right. the deal with that? I I mean I guess evidently there's a series of of phone booths in I guess it's the lobby of the, of the capitol. I don't know if it's but but for, is using a cell phone illegal? Like I don't I don't that's the part I don't get. I I don't know maybe I I don't know if cell phone usage is maybe restricted or if just, I don't know maybe if um, reception is not very good. I I don't I don't know. Okay, it's always very funny because he calls uh-huh. that switchboard and there's some random person like oh yeah she's here right yeah no and i appreciate how they always edit that in yeah third week in a row that we will just say the daily is fantastic oh, i assume yes so i was i assume next uh tomorrow will be a choice episode might might be one you want to tune into yeah yeah um yeah okay i think that's probably it for the internet stuff thing i mean um you you can quickly tell me about your a bit of like quick follow-up about uh pete's getting in bed with juicero yeah so i i had not heard of this at all um maybe that's very intentional on pete's part but uh i went, went into pete's last week and the first thing i saw was a big uh poster for how, how do we pronounce this juicero is that how we say it I thought it was Juicero, but it could Juice, be. Uh... Juice, well, that sounds much fancier, Juicero. <laughs> um, sounds very European. I, you're right. Uh huh. And I had thought that 
maybe it was just sort of an, an advertisement, but then upon closer inspection, I saw one of these things sitting on the counter, which was the first one that I had actually ever seen in person and probably be the only one I ever seen in person. <laughs> um, and it and further than that, they were actually selling juices like you, you you could you could buy one of these and they would go and, and juice it for you and then you know serve it serve it to you um and mm-hmm. I, I think i think my comment to you was there's some poor biz dev person at, at pete's who just thought that this was going to be like the greatest promotion ever and it was going to be such a win-win for both companies and that didn't didn't quite pan out I feel bad that like Pete's kind of seems like the the Charlie Brown that keeps getting the football pulled out from under him. <laughs> like the uh, yeah, I mean, St- man, Starbucks like they're just it's not good coffee, but it's 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 um it's kind of unstoppable. It, it kind of is, you know. I'm amazed. There was a story in uh, I forgot what it was, but um, maybe it was on Marketplace, but about how much um, how what percentage of their transactions Starbucks has been able to route through the app rather than like just regular money. And it's just, it's insane how successful they've been with that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But the mobile ordering thing, like, can we, can, can this life be that way? Just, just all of it. It's, it's, it's really good. Yeah. Um, all right. So where are we going with this? Oh, um, did you, you send me a link to the top 100 websites, uh, hundred Top 100 website. <laughs> top 100. I'm so tired. Top 100 restaurants of 2017 as uh, rated by the San Francisco Chronicle uh, and their food critic, Michael Bauer. The, um, the top 100 Bay Area restaurants, we should, we should clarify. Well, there, there is no, there are no two Americas. There's just one America and it's, it's mainly the Bay Area. Okay. Mm-hmm. Is that what Obama said? I think so. Yeah. Okay. No red states and no blue states. Right. Mm-hmm. You you heard the thing when he had to clarify that statement that he meant no there totally are it's just that's that's the vision well e- yeah easy to say nine years later anyway um yeah um so the, yeah this list is uh, it's it's interesting I, I I don't think there are any huge surprises or big omissions not not at least that I saw initially um. Certainly, a very wide range, which I which I also think is, I don't know. I, I guess it gives the list maybe a little more appeal. Like it's it's not. I mean, there's everything from La Taqueria to French Laundry. As as a matter of fact, they appear right next to each other on the list. Yeah, um, apparently every time you refresh it, it it changes a little bit. Bit. Oh, okay. Yeah, but no, it is it is very. Um, I mean, you've got like Comi, you have like you have like Michelin starred restaurants next to places that are just. Good food, but like, yeah, I appreciate that it's not a. Here's where the ultra wealthy and the people who want to save up eight months worth of pay to go eat at the French Laundry and and feel special. So I guess my so my question for you would be: of all the restaurants that are on this list, what's what's the favorite one that you've been to? So here I should do a search because I got to see if my favorite. Oh, my favorite's not on here. So I, I this this list is automatically nonsense. Was that was that the one? That's the one that we went to. Yeah. So Pico is 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 by far my favorite Bay Area restaurant. Yeah, that was Probably, that was really good. Like just bar none, and also like Absinthe isn't on here. Also one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Prospect is on here. That's another one of my faves. But um, 
Yeah, like I've I've been to probably thirty of these. Yeah, it's, it sounds about right. But um, yeah. Also, Komal's on here, but that place is actually not that good. It's turning in much more into a bar than a restaurant. Mm. Um, but if you're ever if you're ever in Berkeley, it's it's not it's not you could do worse. So so what what are what are your some of your, uh, some of your highlights on the list? So definitely House of Prime Rib. That that's got to be number one. That's mm-hmm. a that's an incredible experience if if you've never done that. That is the best forty five dollars you can spend. Oh, it, in it, life, it really is. Like it, the R- it, I mean, it's yeah. The the yeah. service is top notch. The food is is excellent. It's the atmosphere is perfect. The whole the whole the whole thing is fantastic. That's the thing. The atmosphere. It's like it's 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 like classy fun sort of. Like I don't know. I, right. It's it's the perfect mix. It is. Yeah. Um, Wayfair Tavern is excellent. Didn't they close? Um, no, I don't, I don't believe so. Uh, I went there not all that long ago. Oh, uh, okay. And I'm thinking of. I think it's called Baker and Banker or something. Never mind. Mm. All right. Yeah. So Wayfair wait wait for Tavern's really, really good. Um, Park Tavern is good, although a little pricey for what it is. Um, but but it's but it's it's a nice ni- nice restaurant. Um, a sixteen up here in my neck of the woods is a, is a pretty good one. Um, again, a little on the pricey side for what you get, but but a but a good restaurant. Um. There were a couple of other ones on here that I that I liked. Um, foreign cinema is really good. Um, a lot of good things to say about that. Um, well, there was one other one I wanted to to call out here. Um, Poggio in uh, or Poggio, I always forget how to say it. Um, in Salsalito is is really good. Mm-hmm. Um. Have never been to Boulevard, although that's that's kind of been on to my be good, but, yeah, yeah, kind of kind of been on my list for a while. Um, oh, uh, Nopalito, that was the other one I wanted to to hit on. That place is great. I'm not so I to, you know kind of a contrarian view compared to most, but not a big fan of Nopa. I don't hate it, but it, it just didn't didn't really live up to the hype for me. I guess. Um, but Nopalito, yeah. which I believe are the same same owners, yes. Um, is excellent. Love that place. Yeah, very conveniently located across from the San Francisco DMV. Um, it is. Is that, is that somewhere you're frequenting often, or no? I'm just. I'm kidding. But okay. like, because that is the the view from your from your uh, seat at Nopalito. <laughs> but it is. It's. It's. That's. That's a good place. It's much easier. Like it's. It's pretty easy to get into. Like Nopa is still like I don't know. There is that like prestige is the wrong word, but like it's just it's it's. It's very popular, and it's tough to get a table, and it is good food, but it's... So I think th- this will give a lot of, I think, insight in, into me personally, which is not what I'm aiming to do, but mm-hmm. it just is what it is. I don't, I don't like the community tables. And I'm, not, I'm not a fan of that. If I'm going to a restaurant, I, I just I want my own, my own table with the individual or with the group that I'm with. So it's been like... For like four years uh, since I've been to Nopa, is it all community? Like I remember we had it's, our own table. It's not. It's, no, it's not all, but it, it's predominantly shared tables. Got it. So hmm. one time I went, I was at the first time I went, I was at one of the big shared tables, and then the second time that I went, we did get our own table. Yeah. So no, that that is a very fair point, and I, I do, that is funny. That does probably say a lot about anybody who would. Um, prefer that and and, and I'm, no but here's the thing i'm probably the same way 
Like, yeah. Um, cause then it is, I like, I'm okay. We've already talked about this at length, but I'm super picky about the restaurants. Like, I, like the, the noise level and like your proximity to other people, like does greatly affect a restaurant for me. Like if I have trouble carrying on a conversation, no matter how good the food is, I have a difficult time enjoying myself at a restaurant. Um, but yeah, community tables make that even more difficult. Yeah. Uh, so who? So Zuni Cafe is also incredibly good. Um, State Bird Provisions. That's great. that. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? Iasare in Berkeley is is a good uh, Japanese restaurant that people should try out. It's convenient on Fourth Street. That one's great. Um, you know, a place, a, pl- a place that's on the, um, the list that, um, I, I again, kind of one of those places I've wanted to check out, but, but never have mostly because of price, uh, Gary Danko would, would like to experience that at some point, but what's, what's the, uh, the price range, like I, French laundry prices or no, no, but the hundreds of dollars, I believe. Yeah, that doesn't seem like fun. Well, I yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I do, I do like you know the atmosphere in restaurants and and willing to pay more for that experience. But like, there's a yeah. I mean, we just we talk about House of Prime Rib, right? It the mm-hmm. wonderful experience for you know forty five dollars. So you, you don't you don't necessarily need to spend hundreds to get something like that. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's tricky for me where, like, uh, there are several re- very good restaurants where, like, total with drinks per person probably ends up being, like, 75. Like, that's generally my upper li- – like, I mean, there's just such diminishing returns after that that just, like, the conservative financial person to me just can't – just has a tough time getting over it. You know what I really – really not to derail this, but it's related to what we were just saying a minute ago. Sure. But I, my favorite feature of this list might be when you click into a restaurant, one of the attributes they rate is noise. That's, mm-hmm. That is wonderful. It is. And Yelp is also kind of good with this too. Hmm. Like they're, they're, every single Yelp page tells you what the um, kind of general dress code is and what the noise level is. Because for me, that's a, a big thing. Huh. No, that, that's super handy. They actually, so they go into, um, they go into prices on this too. I can't believe I didn't click into this earlier. So, so a little real-time follow-up here. So Gary Danko is actually not, not as bad as I, I thought. So three, three course menu, 87, four course, 106, five course, 124. So not cheap, but, but not, not nearly as expensive as I thought. Yeah, the one thing I hate about this um, this this website is that if you try to bookmark or um, click that you've like been to one of these, just so you can kind of sort your list, uh, you can't do that without being a paid San Francisco Chronicle subscriber. Mm. Kind of, kind of bummer, but that's okay. Yeah, well, nothing that a little export to Excel or something couldn't fix. Yeah, I, was, I assume there's probably some BS web app where you can't. Mm. That's what I need to get better at. I'm bad at uh, at. Uh, redistributing and like kind of cleaning up data in Excel. Hmm. Lazy bear. That sounds good. I was looking at that one. Sorry, that, that, that meat. Wow. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, 160 bucks. Yeah. Not Ooh. doing that. Mm-mm-mm. I can't like, I, I'm, yeah. 
I hope everybody enjoys it, but it's just that's that's too much. Yeah, I don't don't disagree. And then this is going to be my follow up question for this uh, for this topic is since there's so much choice in the Bay Area with food, um, how like I'm sure you found like restaurants you, you like, but how often do you find yourself actually going back to them? If because there are just so many things to try. Fairly frequently, I, I think. I, although I looking at this list and realizing how many of these restaurants I've been lucky enough to go to it has made me realize that maybe I've branched out a little bit more than I thought, but. I've always thought that was sort of one of the things I could, you know, use to work on is maybe branching out even a little bit more because it does sort of feel like I end up going to the same handful of places pretty frequently because you just, you know, you end up you end up with places that you really like and it's just so easy to go back. Yeah. I think, you know, a, a big thing for me that we haven't gotten into at all, like by far and away, number one criteria, like noise is up there, seating arrangement, like that, that, all that stuff is kind of up there. But above all of that is, do you take a reservation? Because I, I think that that's another thing that I just, it, it, particularly mm-hmm. in the Bay Area, really irks me is there are places that don't take reservations. There's a couple by me here that, you know, I really won't, won't name them by name, but really like going but they they don't take reservations and they're always packed and like i just i don't want to stand around for 45 minutes that's just that's not what i'm gonna do yeah let's not keep talking about blue barn though um <laughs> well sorry yeah <laughs> pretty good um, yeah so i've been that's... going through a little bit of a blue barn kick but we, we can get back to that and again i i don't know if we talked about this on a prior episode but i really really appreciate you giving the buffalo blue a try i did yeah no i did and um not you your favorite, but was passable, I think. Was right. Your, was your oh, I mean, I, I would say as somebody who neither enjoys buffalo wings or, and really doesn't enjoy blue cheese, um, it, it was it was fine. And that that blue cheese sauce, even as somebody who doesn't like blue cheese, was 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 fine. There's just so many other good options there. You sound like Jason Snell right now. <laughs> God, what did what did he what did I what did I send to you in the thing? It was, it was Mike. Mike was talking about the damn stickers on his laptop, and like Jason was <laughs> like, right. uh, he's like, no, it's not something I would do, or it's it's not for me. But I understand that somebody might do that. But there was a very pregnant pause, which I appreciated. They kept in. They could have very easily edited out, but they they kept it in, and you, you could tell Jason's first instinct was to to say something probably not super nice. <laughs> This is why you. This is why you don't use smart speed. You lose that, <laughs> right? Yeah. And then he just gave the most Jason answer ever, which is which is great. I appreciate people like him because I I am not like that. What do you mean? I I'm I'm not quite as. You don't seem somebody who like gives flippant responses or or is uh tactless. No, but just I I tend to speak my mind a little bit more. Jason Jason tends to you know be very kind of middle of the road which which is great I, I i think it gives a lot of extra credence in, into what he says because you really know he's coming at it from as unbiased of a perspective as you possibly could yeah he he he's very good about appreciating that there's nuance in, in everything right even even <laughs> covering your laptop with with oh, stickers God, you don't God. necessarily have a, yeah it's okay oh. sorry we were talking about uh where was i going with this with food um Oh yeah, you were talking about reservations. Um, yeah, that is really tricky because I again, dining I I do place a bit of a premium on. Like I'm, I'm not I'm somebody who can appreciate very very cheap food and also expensive food, but dining for me just seems like it shouldn't be work. 
And in the whole point, like no place is so good except perhaps blue barn where I'm going to, I'm going to wait <laughs> like for 45 minutes in like the foggy cold, like to hopefully get a table. Like it, like I just, it's not, not what I do. Right. Like there, there are many restaurants that I know and like that I can go to and probably get a reasonable table. It, it's, it's just not for me. What I do think would be a great business idea. And if you know anybody who can make this happen, please let me know. But it's just like an ungameable uh, reservation system. Because like open table isn't cutting it. And I assume that like there's like there's just all these bots and things that make it so that like hot new restaurants you just can't ever get a table at. So there's got to be some way where just it's like I, I have no idea what, what the actual business plan or how it would functionally work. But just somebody to take over open table. Open table works fine for me mostly. It does, but there's got to be a reason why um, a lot of restaurant owners refuse to use it. Well, yeah, maybe. So that's that's the thing. I think as an end user, it's fine, but yeah, there's got there's got to be more skin in the game on both parties. Yeah, I I, I agree. Yeah. Well, anyway, I gotta I gotta bookmark this this list because there are quite a few places I, I've been meaning to try. I would actually say I, I think the number one to kind of close this out the number one place on this list that I haven't been to that I that I want to is La Taqueria. I've still never been there. And actually, just earlier this week or last week, 538 kind of re-promoted um, re, uh, that big burrito article that they had done with last year or the year before, in which La Taqueria was, was rated the, you know, the best burrito in the country. And ever since then, of course, I've been wanting to go, and I just I never, I never have. And so that, that had reminded me, and then seeing it on this list reminded me of that too. Got it. Hmm. Should go. Yeah, I mean it, the the pictures look amazing, um, and I I love that you know mission style burrito. But yeah, just never never been. Yeah, and and you think Northern California burritos are better than Southern California burritos? I I am finding myself on on decidedly the other side of that. Debate. Yeah, that's that. So so it's tricky for me because my favorite burrito is a California burrito. Which is very much a Southern California thing. Wait, what? what explain the contents of that. So, California burrito. Um, well, there's various combinations, but the the main thing that they all have, and kind of what makes it a California burrito, is French fries. I have never heard of this. Seriously, literally never heard of this. I just I no. assumed a California burrito would have like eight thousand pounds of uh, avocado in it, and that's not where this went. Uh, well, so it, do, it does have that. Um, Dar Darth would I mean, I'm sure Darth is just all about this, but yeah, it, it's a San Diego thing, and they're much harder to find up here in Northern California. But there's um, a taqueria on 16th Street, Taqueria Los Coyotes, that that does a, a California burrito that's really really good. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that that's one of the the mission burritos that I get the most frequently. So I guess I I sort of <laughs> toe the line between southern and northern california in that regard so have you ever tried doing this at home no because i there there is no such thing as a good home french fry oh yes there is really i've never i've never been successful at making french fries at home you got to figure this out if, if you're going to i mean one you can just you can get a julienne or a slicer or whatever and like uh cut the potato and do it yourself or you can just go uh be less adventurous about it and go to whole foods and get just get some of those like alexa or 
Alexia fries. And they're both good. Like, you can either get the waffle fry variant or you can get just, like, the classic, like, shoestring fries. And you just have to, like, learn your oven and, and know what the perfect settings are and flip them halfway through. And you can get some nice, perfect, crispy fries. Hmm. Like, I'm sure Darth will give you a tutorial. You guys are <laughs> in the 7 Plus Club. Right. Um. Let's see. The Slav Victoria have a California Brino. Have we ever talked about orange sauce? No, I don't think so. Have you ever had orange sauce? Maybe? Doesn't doesn't really sound familiar. Hold on, let me let me find this. I think I have is, it, is, is this like a like a salsa? Oh, sir, hold on. Where's, where's my Instagram? So it's this in-house like it's not a salsa. It's it's like just like this amazing, wonderful sauce that is so versatile on everything. And it's my favorite thing to. And you can buy it by the bottle whenever you go. Uh, it's down in San Jose. Most of their locations are in the South Bay, but it's it's so good. And you can buy it for six bottle, six dollars a bottle, and take it home. And it is the perfect complement to almost everything. But the best thing to put it on is uh, Trader Joe's samosas, and it will be the the best meal you can bake at home in sixteen minutes. So I, I just have to say that I that this picture is just is just wonderful because it it's your your refrigerator. I'm assuming. Yes. And, um, Wait. And oh I, shit. Oh, there's. And, <laughs> okay, and, I know what I know what's coming. And, and all all you can see in it. It, I mean, it, it looks fairly empty, just to be honest here. But no, it, that's well. Anyway, that's just you, one spot. It's a big fridge. Okay, but but the only thing you can see in this photo are it looks like five bottles of this orange sauce, and then two cans of Lacroix, and then a, a and then a box of pokey. Pokey? It's pocky. Pocky? Yeah, like how Barack Obama says Pakistan. Pocky, the candy. Okay. Um, no, there's there was like twelve Lacroix back there, okay. and I think that's, I, I I nudged them out of the way because I had to make room for the orange sauce. Sure. Because whenever I make a run down to the South Bay, I'll, I'll generally ask uh, colleagues if they want um, uh, any extra. I generally two bottles will get me through like the six weeks that it's good for. Got it. Yeah. No, but if you're ever in the South Bay, La Victoria is a very good, like traditional, like Mexican style restaurant um, with great burritos. And then you can pick up a bottle of orange sauce, and you, it will be the best $6 you spend all year. Okay. Well, yeah, the next uh, next time I catch a Sharks game down there, maybe we'll uh, stop by. Aren't they done for a while? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it'll be the, the fall when I try this. you got to find an excuse to do it sooner, because otherwise you have to, it's going to be a while. Well, maybe, well, hey. Oh, no, when you're, we're, we're, hey, 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 yeah, WWDC. Hey, that's right, yeah. There we go. Okay. No, oh, yeah. Actually, you know what? Let's Let's go there for dinner that night. No, there's got to be no. That's too. Why not? When in Rome or when in San Jose, you gotta you gotta go fancier. <laughs> uh, San Jose is the Rome of the West. Really? Yeah, huh. it's they're, they're sister cities. <laughs> what the what the hell are we talking about? This is, we're oh, talking about the home kit. Hold on. Oh, <laughs> that's wow. Hmm. Hmm. This is what happens when I don't have a mimosa I'm gonna while be, we're recording. I'm going to be thinking about that for a while. Why? I don't know. This sort of... I don't the, know. the sharks are like uh, California gladiators. The uh, the HP uh, Pavilion is the Coliseum of the West. Anyway, moving on. Yeah. Uh, last note I had on food was I need to go back to the House of Prime Rib. That is very, very true. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm... We are running long on time, so I'll, I'm going to push OmniFocus until next week. Uh, a couple quick things. Um, 
Uh, this is a bit of follow up from last week. So Amazon Prime Video probably coming to Apple TV uh, based on a whole bunch of rumors that have come out about some like high profile negotiations. I don't know what the deal is. Maybe Amazon starts selling Apple TVs again, or they negotiated some type of cut, or maybe it's a deal like with the Kindle where basically you have access to content that you already have and that's it. So I mean, that's neat. I mean, are are you motivated by that or don't really care at this point? I don't, I guess I don't really care. I don't, I don't really use prime video much. Um, although maybe part of that is because it's not on the Apple TV. Um, could be, but I mean, it's on my TiVo, so I have access to it. I just don't use it. Do you actually use any of the TiVo apps? No. Yeah. This thing, cause then it dumps you into that weird, like there's that resolution change thing and it dumps you into this weird Java mode and you're just like, what is this? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, they, they, um, and they did a nice job on upgrade talking about this this week. And the interesting thing that Jason pointed out was, I guess it's sort of a widely known thing, but just isn't something that gets talked a whole lot about, is Apple's standard 30% cut doesn't apply to the Apple TV. That major... Or it probably does, but if you're big enough, it doesn't. Well, right. So, But there's there's more flexibility for larger content providers on the Apple TV. And so... You know, Jason posited, and this seems very likely, that Apple and Amazon have just going back and forth over what that that cut should be, and um, you know, ultimately they they came to um, an agreement. Um, and I think the other interesting thing about this too is the timing. So the so the rumor is that we're actually not going to see this until September. Um, and I I I buy into kind of separate from this, and I think this is further evidence of this. I buy into the idea that there's going to be a 4K HDR enabled Apple TV at some point this year. And it, I think it makes a lot of sense for Amazon to be a a featured app with that device because, you know, it's it's really them and Netflix are sort of the only two out there that are doing 4K and HDR streaming content. So I think it makes a lot of sense to hold off on putting something like this out until you get your your 4k apple tv out there that's hmm. that's tricky because i i think apple is probably one of the companies that prioritizes like they prioritize tech specs and that type of thing very very low on the totem pole of features that they care about and for like is 4k and hdr any more solidified now than it was a couple years ago i think so i mean i i think you know i think at this point you almost have to go out of your way to to buy a new TV that doesn't have 4K, you really just don't pay a premium for it even anymore. So, I I think the the adoption level is at a point where it it would make sense for Apple to come out with a, a refresh to the Apple TV. And that's that can't be that big of a a thing to add. No, but I mean, yeah, it's again. I think Apple just like they generally try not to advertise features that are applicable to a very small number of people, and I think. Like you remember the ordeal that you had trying to get 4K video gaming set up on your uh, PS4. So, well, I was actually it's funny because when because because Jason speculated um, about this 4K idea that that's, that's kind of where I got it from. Um, and I, one of my first thoughts as I was listening to that episode of Upgrade on Monday was, well, shit, if this happens, I we only have one port on our TV that supports um 4k at the frame rates you need for video so like 
I guess, well, I guess you don't have any, you don't have it like an Xbox or anything that's taking up that port necessarily. So you, you, you could, you could put a new Apple TV there, but like for me, I'm not exactly sure what I would do. Yeah. But I don't know. Like I also just, I don't care about four, uh, 4k. I don't know. Like if I'm computing, it, like if, I, if I'm working pretty good, but so, I don't know, 10, like maybe I just have old man eyes. Um, like I've really thought about, I haven't done it yet cause it's like $40. So it's kind of like upper edge impulse buy but i've been really wanting to buy the uhd disc set of planet earth 2 well sure but that that's house prime room bunny yeah i know yeah do you want do you want some english pudding or do you want david attenborough <laughs> that's i right. think you wait actually you invite him to the house of prime rib and you have both mm. yeah um yeah so anyway so that's that's a thing so amazon prime video might might join the Apple TV sometime soon, which which is good. Again, I think it probably like their content has low visibility for me just because I don't ever I don't watch video on my phone. Like I I don't I, I I never watch Netflix content or like anything on my phone. Like short videos, sure, but so therefore the fact that it wasn't on Apple TV means I just don't see it. And then on that note, um, HBO is they was it like in 2015 they made a deal to have like a lot of their back catalog uh available as part of like their prime video library so it seems that uh, HBO is uh, excited to let that agreement lapse yeah and i i think they they were pretty forthcoming about this in their announcement which i appreciated which basically alluded to the fact that like hey you know we are really being aggressive with our own streaming service now it's been doing well and you know, we want to put all of our energy behind that. So I kind of, I kind of respect that. Yeah, seems fair. Um, and then that's mainly it. Do you want to dive into Better Call Saul? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Big two weeks. Yeah. So we, I guess, to get this out of the way up front. So we, I think we both sort of misinterpreted where things were left off two weeks ago, where it seemed like. Jimmy and Kim were alluding to the fact that they wanted to fight kind of the entire case against him. But really what it ended up being was they they just wanted to fight Jimmy being disbarred. So they were they were going to admit to guilt, um, or at least kind of not admitting so much to what was on the tape, but admitting to breaking and entering and, and assault and all that. Um and then Basically, that would kind of defer the trial for like I think a one year probation period or something. Um, but then they were going to put their energy behind fighting um, Jimmy being disbarred, which is which is kind of what led up to um, the episode this week. Yeah, and like I actually think it perhaps maybe is a good thing that OE uh, spaced it last week because um, no, these two episodes together go hand in hand and it was a really good wrap up like we don't have the actual results of the case yet but like you had the whole point um of jimmy trying to figure out what what they were gonna do getting kim on board to try to um uh, argue his case getting some inside the home photos uh by enlisting uh mike to help out like all of it came together and culminated in a really exciting and, and interesting um like court hearing where Jimmy does a couple of scummy things, uh, but also manages to effectively like unhinge his brother. And like, so do you buy that he's been faking it the whole time with his 
illness? Well, not no, not faking it. No. Or but, do you, or do you think it was completely a mental construct? And yes, got I mean, it. That's, okay. that's I've I've always interpreted it that way, and I, I think. I mean, Chuck's been to the hospital a couple of times during the show, and you know the doctors have also alluded to that same point. So I, I think that that's kind of as the audience, that's what we're led to believe. Got it. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and I, I, the thing that I didn't see coming, so I kind of started to piece together what Jimmy was up to shortly before the whole battery thing revealed itself at the end of this week's episode. But the mm-hmm. thing that I didn't expect was. That, the way that he was going to go about it, where he just he just laid his cards on the table. He said, hey, I hired this guy. He did this thing. You know, he didn't try to hide any of that part of it, which I thought was really interesting. Like They, they put the 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 guy who we see in um, Breaking Bad. He's the one who oh, yeah. like, lays on the bed of money. Mm-hmm. In the, yeah, in the storage unit. Yeah, the, right. the moment that uh, he says, oh, do you need uh, do you mind if he's not a skinny guy? And I'm like, yeah. oh, my God, he yeah. was coming back. Yeah, so right, happy. right. Um, you know, totally forthcoming about all that, which which was um an interesting little wrinkle. That was pretty good. Um, and then uh, we got to see uh Kim kind of try to pre uh to head off anything that might affect like Mesa Verity for her. So that was pretty good. It is good to kind of like to see her like cemented as like a very very competent lawyer, so that you kind of still can feel like guilt-free about um, rooting for her. Like you kind of know that Jimmy's completely like morally gone, but like it's, it's good to have her cheer for. And then what was the, what was the extent of the Mike story last week? Well, oh no, the whole, last week was the whole, it was like, it was basically like the um, setting the stage for all of uh, Gus's um, interactions with the cartel and kind of how that whole thing unfolds with, um, uh is it Hector Salamanca is that uh, is that Tio's name right officially yeah. right yeah so we got a little bit of background there so last week's episode I was going to ask you about this or I, I I meant to just sort of look it up online but the house that they're at at the beginning of last week's episode that there's a there's a key sequence that happens in Breaking Bad there right mm-hmm. near the end of the series that's the same place right I'm pretty sure that's the same one where again spoilers but um where uh, Gus poisons everybody except yeah, himself. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yep. Yep. Um. Yeah. So we get we get we get a lot of background with the cartel. Then we get some more background on how, um, the cartel, um, sort of some of the inner political workings and why Gus and and Hector clearly, um, don't get along. And that we get it. We get a big hint as to about about what's to come where. Gus reveals to Mike that he didn't want Mike to shoot Hector because that would be too easy on Hector, that he deserves worse than that. Too hum- uh, too humane. Right, yeah. yeah. And as we know, Hector is in a wheelchair in Breaking Bad. So Oh. It, yeah, it, I seems, <clears throat> it seems very clear. Well, and, and Hector is also, what's interesting about him too, right, is he also doesn't speak in Breaking Bad. So we don't ever really know, and he's not really ev- even able to tell anyone, um, um, you know, kind of how he ends up the way that he is. So, which is kind of an, a cool little wrinkle, right? Because even though he's interacting with a bunch of these characters who we're now seeing in the prequel, it, it, it makes sense that that wasn't elaborated on the show because Hector wasn't talking in the show. 
Interesting. And, and Hector, right, Hector ends up being the tool that Walt uses to ultimately kill Gus, too, right? Mm-hmm. So I think there's also sort of an, an element of maybe what we're about to see in Better Call Saul kind of comes full circle at the end of Breaking Bad. Yeah, because that was, that was the whole point is that, like, uh, Salamanca was his only, like, emotional, like, vice that he was he was the only thing that could unhinge or um like disrupt the really careful thought of somebody who was like so methodical cuz he right. had that just emotional had like visceral hatred of him right right yeah no yeah good good, good hypothesizing yeah um what else happened in the first one so we'd we'd already seen the kind of the uh the drug setup cuz that's what led to the the disruption in his his uh, uh distribution um his big speech to all like the restaurant employees was pretty good um yeah i mean it it highlights gus's key attribute which is how he's spectacular bullshitter <laughs> well that and just he's he's able to toe the line between these two di- very different worlds that he mm-hmm. li- lives in and he's a much more cerebral, cerebral character in in that whole scene than kind of anyone else is. Everyone else is a lot more sort of irrational and emotional, and Gus is just he's, he's very methodical. He's very calculating. He, he he's a very different personality than everyone else um, in the game, as you would say. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and specifically, like like you alluded to earlier, the whole conversation between Mike when they kind of officially go into business together um, because they both have that shared interest in seeing something close to the end of Salamanca was was, was very good. And I think that's how the the, uh, the prior episode ended. Uh, no Mike this episode, just because it, it was all focused on the court case, but... Yeah, I'm excited to see what happens next. Yeah, me too. Yeah. All right. Picks of the week. Picks of the week. All right. You first, as always. Okay. Um, so mine is something that I've had for um, the past couple of months. Um, I got this um, as part of my my new job. I needed a, a new bag. And so I, I did some looking around on the Sweet Home or either the Sweet Home or the Wire Cutter. I, I, I kind of sometimes forget which categories on which site. Um, but this is one of the recommended backpacks. And this is the In-Case Icon Slim Pack. And I, you, you, it's kind of funny because when I was preparing before the show for this, I searched in my Amazon history for backpack. And, and this did not come up because it's named a pack, not a backpack. And but it's it, slim. But anyway, it's yeah. slim, right? So the the wire cutter, the sweet home, whatever, whoever recommends this, they actually recommend the larger version of this bag as their main choice, but then they kind of cite this as being an alternative if you want a smaller bag. And I, I wanted a smaller bag because I, you know, for work day in and day out, I, I don't really carry a lot with me. So it doesn't really make sense for me to have a big bag. I, I really just need something for my laptop and a couple of other small things. Um, 
and you know that this is exactly why i like this bag is it's super compact um and it, it's it's just sort of the right size for what i need day in day out not a bag you really would want to take on like longer trips or anything or if you had a bunch of gear like a camera or something you wouldn't necessarily want a bag like this but for just kind of a, a day in day out um bag for work it's it's really nice Cool. So does it have a separate padded pocket for the laptop? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, what else is key for this type of thing? Uh, overall, pretty comfortable? Very comfortable. Yeah, the the, the shoulder straps are, are super padded. All right. And it's, it's really well made. I, th- I think I also have a, um, a sleeve for my MacBook Pro from InCase that I bought mm-hmm. the day that I bought the MacBook Pro. And it, just everything I've had from InCase always has a real kind of high quality uh, feel to it. The red looks very nice. Um, I assume you just went plain black. Yeah, I actually looking at the page just now, I don't, I don't even remember these three other colors being an option. I, I I thought I think at the time that I got it, it was just at least maybe just in stock, at least in black. Because I I probably would have I would have considered. Um, I would have considered probably both the gray and the um, moss green, actually. But <laughs> moss green. <laughs> oh, that's what it's actually called. I thought the, okay. No, yeah, that's that, that's the name. Yeah. But yeah, nothing, um, nothing fancy. I mean, there there are um, there are a handful of other bags, including that one that Mike recommended a few weeks ago that I mm-hmm. would really love to have, but are probably just too much for what I need and are you know more than double the price of what this thing is um this bag it's a little more exp- i think i got it for like less than a hundred dollars i think the, the price maybe is up a little bit compared because i think because it, well yeah because it's sold from a third-party seller right now yeah but i think when i got it it was directly through amazon i think i think it was like 90 dollars and is this uh like a tsa in like travel no bag? no 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 so it's still kind of a pain in the ass. So, that, so that's what I mean. Not not mm-hmm. not really a bag that you'd want to... It's a commuting bag. It's a commuting bag, totally. Yeah. 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 Well, cool. Looks nice. Yeah. It, um, in case has always made something called, I think they discontinued that I've been looking for for a while, called the Sling Pack. Um, and this is very, very close to it. And this, this looks nice. Yeah. It's, it's very, very minimalist and very basic, which for the purposes of just going to and from the office every day is exactly what I was looking for. To cross over with our restaurant discussion, let me ask the most important question. How noisy are the zipper, uh, the zippers? They're pretty quiet. Okay. Yeah. They're, they're, they're pretty quiet. All right. Like arriving late to a meeting quiet, not being too disruptive. Yeah. Uh huh. Okay. All right. Ask, asking for a friend, right? Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Cool. Never late. <laughs> no. <sighs> All right, five minutes early is on time. On time is late, Ugh, and then yeah. late is. I I hate that saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, okay. Um, where's, let me get my thing open. Um, so yeah, I got two picks of the week this week. Do you want the uh, the amusing one first or the uh, media recommendation first? Let's get the media recommendation first. Okay. So I tried watching this show a while ago, and I quit it when it was originally on. Actually, it's on now, but when it originally debuted. Uh, but my recommendation this week is uh, the show Silicon Valley on HBO. Uh, the the lady friend and I have been thinking about getting into this. So when I originally watched it, the first three episodes were like a bit too crude for my taste. 
And again, I have I have a very I'm I'm picky about that kind of stuff. Um, but uh, so I quit it uh, the first time around. But I, I since the fourth season just started, I I gave it a shot, and it's actually really really good, like really good. It's got some dumb parts where you kind of like not cringe, but you just kind of like you roll in your eyes a little bit. But overall, it's very funny, and also living in the Bay Area, like it's so damn accurate, like it's 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 insane. So I, I highly, highly recommend it. Okay. I'm about a season and a half in and, oh man, very funny. Okay. Yeah. Definitely get my HBO subscriptions uh, worth this month. And then my second pick, I'll send you a link to it. Um, this is a a very special Twitter account. It's called uh, Big Data Batman. Have you seen this? <laughs> I have not seen this. Okay. So basically somebody wrote a bot where basically it just uh, searches Twitter for uh, tweets with the buzzword big data and then changes that to Batman. So for example, how can hashtag Batman transform the healthcare industry? Five ways to boost business efficiencies with Batman. <laughs> Batman is everywhere. What management strategies will differentiate your business from others? And then um, improving policymaking with hashtag Batman. I appreciate how how hashtag Batman technologies are revolutionizing hashtag restaurant marketing. <laughs> I, I want to know how to revolutionize restaurant marketing. This is, this is important to me as a as a upcoming restaurant tour. Mm. I need to know this. Mm. And Guy Fieri, I'm sure after that scathing review from the New York Times, probably wants to know about how to revolutionize his marketing too. We're um we're we're not ready to talk about the restaurant yet, right? No, I'm I'm aiming for uh June first. Hopefully, I'll I'll have that stuff sorted out. Okay. Yeah, I can get Michael Bauer to add me to the list. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. This is this is pretty good. This is gonna be this is gonna be a new follow for me for sure. Yeah, Batman and machine. Uh, no, sorry, not Batman. Sorry, big data, machine. Like, there's just these these terms that mean absolutely nothing. Uh, like data visualization and machine learning and artificial like intelligence, all oh, this is just uh, yeah, it's, yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, all right, anything else? I think that's it. All right, thanks for listening, folks. <laughs>